0: Hello guys and welcome back to the cast. It is your host James Rankin. This week I had the pleasure of sitting down with Brian O'Hengisa. Brian is the head of nutrition for Triage Method, a health and fitness company based here in Dublin as well and is one of the best known and respected nutrition coaches in Ireland. Brian's coaching mantra is that of cooperation, compassion and client-centered with a firm belief that someone won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Very similar to our ethos here in Bua. Brian values continuous learning and education and spends a lot of his time reading and studying topics of interest, such as philosophy and subjects related to human behavior in psychology in order to become an even better coach. Myself and Brian dive right into performance nutrition. We talk about pre- and post-workout nutrition, whether it's important and how to manage it, performance-enhancing supplements, intra-workout carbs, managing alcohol and treats in your diet while maintaining high performance and good body composition the benefits of vegetables and we went on quite a long chat about this one and then finishing on performance versus health and if they are interchangeable this was a real pleasure to have brian in with us this week and i hope you guys enjoy if you have any questions please reach out otherwise enjoy the show My view on it is pretty simple, eat your vegetables and eat some meat and if you're losing weight and you don't want to eat more and Mm -hmm. that's how I treat myself and I kind of like just say the same thing to other people but there's obviously more nuance to it and you know that. Yes. So I do have a couple of questions for you, Brian. Um, The first one that kind of tickles me all the time is and sometimes I'm real dismissive of it and then other times I'm like this is so important. And it's pre- and post-workout nutrition.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so we get into that. Yeah. Is it important? It can be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you knew that was coming, or you? Yeah. Check now, it depends. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, no, pre-, pre and post-workout nutrition, I deem to be important, depending on what someone's goals are and what else they have in place already. Right. So there are levels to this. And let's say, for example... Like, okay, let's say performance is your primary outcome yeah. that you're looking for. Then I would say, yes, absolutely. Let's let's dial in pre- and post-workout nutrition. If fat loss, body composition is your main goal, then that has to be the main goal. And th- what you do should be dictated by that. So, you know, basically what you can see people doing as a mistake is focusing too much on say performance when they're go primary goal is fat loss. Right? Obviously you want to tread the line yeah. and try and get the best of both worlds. However, if you are going and having like, you know, half of your daily carb allotment in simple carbs, you know, that are digested quickly, you know, cocoa pops is like a typical one you see people using yeah. in the fitness space. Um if you do that post workout, then you could be quite hungry later on in the day, which is going to be detrimental to your actual fat loss nutrition targets, right? So you have to decide, you know, what's most important here. So the way I look at it is, yes, if, if, if performance is the main goal and like maybe body composition goals are not as pressing, then I would say, yes, pre and post workout nutrition is worth looking at. Now, when I say you have to kind of graduate to that and there's levels to this, um, I mean that if, if you're like nailing your pre and post workout nutrition but your overall food intake for the day is too much or too little or whatever else and maybe your overall protein intake is too low yet you're getting like the perfect amount of pre and post training yeah. you're still going to leave a lot on the table so you know that's referred to as like majoring in the minors or an analogy I like is you know cutting the grass when the house is on fire it's like, <laughs> yeah maybe it's something that you to do but it's not a priority. Yeah. Um so those are the considerations. And then if someone does decide like, yeah, I'm gonna look at pre post workout nutrition, what's important there, like one thing you have to consider is the main fuel for any of your training sessions is gonna be muscle glycogen. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's just carbohydrate stores in the muscle. And it's not like they're empty until you have a pre-workout meal right (laughs) so i mean that's and that's how people how some people treat it so like this is not entirely um relevant for crossfit but it'll help exemplify the point so if i have a, a marathon runner who has a race this weekend and all we look at is the meal they have before the race makes very little difference yeah um Versus doing say two three days of a carb load, like if it's on a Saturday, then you know Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like really pushing no up carbs because that will fill your muscle glycogen stores yeah. it's like a, it's like a petrol tank like uh, sometimes don't like to talk about this f- food as fuel <laughs> right because it's a lot it's a lot more the body's that. an engine <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i I don't like to say that too much, but again it helps exemplify this point where uh Essentially, if you're going in full with a full tank, you're going to perform better for longer, right? It's pretty standard. If that tank is empty and you only top it up a little bit, you know, just before the training session or before the event or whatever it is, it's not going to make that much of a difference to your raw forms. Yeah. So I think that helps people to to understand this, and um, and what that means is that like once you train, you know, so I I've I've trained this morning right before yeah. this podcast. I am in a dieting phase, which hopefully will not last too much longer. Right? <laughs> Say like another three, four weeks maybe, right? Yeah. So my calories are reasonably low, you know, by my own standards. So in that case, I'm not consuming any food pre-workout. All right, so it's, what time is it now? It's 20 to 12, I'm sitting here with you recording this. I'm not gonna eat anything until I get home uh, afterwards. Yeah. Right, and that'll be my first meal. And that's generally how, how it's gone um, for the last couple of months. Because I'm not willing to just put a meal in pre-workout that's going to do nothing for me in terms of the long-term satiety across the day. Right. Um. So that's essentially how it's been going. It's so like I, I have been waiting to have my first meal until like 1, 2, 3 o'clock, depending on the day and yeah. what kind of trend session it is. Because fat loss is a priority, managing appetite is a priority. Um. So that like a pre-workout meal may help a little bit. But, you know, I have... Then a full day of eating ahead of me to then train again, uh yeah, tomorrow, say, afternoon or well, yeah. lunchtime tomorrow, <laughs> as it happens. But So that eating that I do today is going to fuel me, you know, assuming, assuming I eat some carbohydrates, it's going to fuel me because yeah. it's going to refill my glycogen stores. They, they're not going to be full right now because I'm just not eating enough overall. But yeah. that's going to give me enough to go in and, and train hard uh, and still perform well. And, you know, have some caffeine and some creatine and stuff. And hydration is super important as part of that pre-workout nutrition. Okay. Um, so everybody should be having, you know, half a liter up to a liter of water, um, potentially with some mineral, with some electrolytes added, um, depending on if they've eaten uh, or not, and overall kind of electrolyte intake. But, yeah, half a liter to a liter of water in that hour before training session is really, really important. And that's going to be more important than probably eating something. Yeah. Right? Now, if you are totally focused on performance then yeah uh, a meal with some carbohydrates about an hour beforehand maybe two hours the further out from the session the bigger the meal can be and um, so the closer you get you'll you'll get more fast digesting carbohydrates in yeah. um, whereas if it's like two or three hours out just have like a normal mixed meal so like you know protein fat carbs plants like just what you would normally eat yeah yeah um and then, yeah, and then if, if you can and you can, you can focus on performance because you do get enhanced muscle recovery and glycogen resynthesis post-workout, yeah. right? So in that, you're, you are somewhat sensitive to that. So you do get a better recovery boost if you can manage that post-workout nutrition and have, you know, carbs and protein essentially. Now, it matters way less if you're only training once a day or less, yeah. right? So this is a, like a caveat to this peri-workout nutrition is that if you're training more than once in like a 12-hour stretch, then it becomes really important, right? Because okay. but depending on what, on what your goals are, again, if you're trying to perform as well as possible in each of these sessions, um, then you do want to make sure your glycogen stores, the petrol tank is reasonably taken care of right <laughs> you want to take... try not to laugh <laughs> you want to make sure there's fuel in the tank um so that it becomes much more important say if you're if you're training like in the morning and then in the evening right so yeah. that post-workout meal in the morning is much more important now because this glycogen resynthesis takes time yeah. right so if it's only like every 24 hours or so like just normal enough eating will cover you there. So yeah. I mean, that's the situation. I mean, I'm not doing two days, um, so I can be a bit, bit more relaxed with it. But if you are someone who's training, like I said, more than more than once in that kind of time frame, and this will this will apply as well. Like if you train in the evening and then in the morning time, right? So you definitely want to make sure to have yeah a reasonably carb dense meal post training, and that will put fuel in the tank for uh, for the next morning. Um, so that's, that's something we get asked about quite a lot is
0: say morning people our first class here is at 6am most people aren't going to have a meal at that time in the morning so i suppose the first question people tend to ask for that is should they be getting up earlier to have a meal
1: yeah no it's it's a fair question like yeah. and we get that a lot as well and uh, the answer is no like you like it's it's not that important yeah um as i've hopefully explained yeah. uh, to some degree that basically what you ate the night before or the, not the night before it doesn't have to be like right before bed yeah. whatever your last meal was is going to contribute to your yeah. ability to perform whenever you're regardless training regardless of um, what I would say there is that hydration again is super important um, okay you know warming up more is, is more important in the morning because your body temperature is going to be lower right so you, you haven't been moving around all day yeah so hydration because uh, you obviously haven't drank anything in like seven eight nine hours whatever it is um so i would certainly again abide to that uh fluid rule that i said you know half a liter to a liter in about the hour before you train uh to enhance the hydration effect you can add some electrolytes you can add a little bit of, like a pinch of salt to that yeah. water that'll help you absorb it better right uh, and then i say just you know if you're having caffeine or coffee or something just do that as well um you know that's going to give you a bit more energy for yeah. the session um, but like you said the the fuel is already in the tank it doesn't just disappear overnight yeah. okay so like all all you really get is a so glycogen is stored mostly in the muscle or, and then a little bit in the liver So a little bit of liver glycogen is liberated throughout the night just to keep blood sugar steady. Um, But it's a very, very small amount compared to what's in your muscle stores. And assuming, you know, you're able to eat a reasonable amount of food and carbs, uh, you'll be fine. Um, But yeah, like caffeine. And then just to mention caffeine timing as well. That was the next question. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a logical question. I was talking about that on, on social media last week. Um, it's a mistake you see people make all the time, where they're walking into the gym with their kind of monster. Yeah, they're yeah, exactly, uh, <laughs> or they're walking around the gym like and like having that as their drink between sets, and it's like cool, but you know the way I phrase it, it's like you're gonna have a really high performing run to the bus after your session. Um, <laughs> you know if you're only gonna do an hour session, because uh, it takes about you know thirty to sixty minutes for caffeine levels to peak, right? Yeah, probably towards the lower end of that if you're training fasted okay um so you do want to have your, your all your caffeine consumed about half an hour let's say 45 minutes before you want it to have the most effect yeah so you know if that's at the start of your session which generally is going to be you know the hardest stuff is usually programmed to start yeah Um that's how you need to time your caffeine like if you're doing very very long training sessions like potentially you're powerlifters maybe trying for two or three hours and yeah. um, doing endurance events same rules apply you can still time it yeah. um appropriately but yeah taking their caffeine too late is probably yeah. something that people make a mistake of. what about um caffeine quantity yeah so i mean if you look at the research um for caffeine and like strength and performance and endurance it's very high like yeah. it's it's like four to six milligrams per kilo of body weight. So, you know, that's 360 milligrams um, up to half a gram of caffeine for me. And that's that's a lot. I would, I would not feel good <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> not much consuming caffeine. that much caffeine. So, you know, this is where you have to use a bit of common sense. It's like, yes, that is seems to be like the optimal dosing for caffeine. But, you know, in my experience, most people... Don't need to be having much more than like two hundred milligrams, let's say. That's like two cans of monster, isn't it? Three hundred and sixty. Yeah, more wow. than more than two cans. Of, yeah, or what's a my can of monster? One hundred and fifty, I think. So, yeah. yeah, so just over two cans of monster. It's it's a lot, like. yeah. And yeah, I mean, some people get very heavy into their caffeine. They take really high dose pre workout yeah. drinks and things. Um, but you know, and and for reference, like a shot of coffee is about eighty. Maybe 100 milligrams, a lot of variety yeah. in, in coffee. Instant coffee is way less. That might be like 50, 60. Um, things like filter coffee, because uh, they've been brewing longer, they're actually strong, like more Higher, yeah. caffeine, more potent. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, you should assess your own tolerance you know, for caffeine. <laughs> and when do you start to get the shakes yeah (laughs) when do you essentially start to have that like sensation of fear that doesn't help you perform (laughs) that well you know Uh, because like yes for example you know the last uh, jiu-jitsu competition I did I consumed no caffeine on purpose because I was like I'm already wound up enough yeah uh, at the thoughts of like I'm fighting people and I went really early um, because I was watching my teammates compete and now I got fucking beaten so I was sitting there for like four or five hours ahead of mine, watching all the lads get beaten. Shit. Um, you know, so I was there from like, I don't know, I think it was like 11 a.m. I didn't, I didn't actually fight until six in the evening. Wow. So I was just there like Stressed. taking L-theanine, absolutely not taking any caffeine. L-theanine, for people to know, it's, a, it's amino acid, but it's, you get it as a supplement. It's found naturally in tea, hence the name, uh, but it can have a calming effect on the body um so it's often taken with caffeine right um and it takes the, the jitters away essentially so you get all the nice caffeine benefits just without the feeling super shaky and then kind of anxious and like the butterflies and stuff so that's that's useful for people to know and um, if they do find their caffeine sensitive yet they want to still use it and derive the benefits um, you can take like 100, 200 milligrams of L-T-E-N-E with your caffeine yeah. and you'll feel a lot better. That's a good tip for people. Nice. Um, it's, qu- it's quite a decent uh, anxiolytic compound as well. So it helps reduce anxiety levels. Very good for sleep as well because it puts the body into a more relaxed, restful state. So yeah. um, has a lot of utility. And yeah, that's... I started taking that after you posted about it one time. Did you? Yeah, yeah I think I maybe about a year ago. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And how, do, how do you use it? in out of those, say three contexts. If I know I have a big training session, mm. and I want loads of
0: caffeine as well, yeah. or, if, or if maybe I had too much caffeine, I'll have. Yeah, and you feel a bit, I'm wonky, borderline. Yeah, shaky. I'll have this mm. and go. Or if I know that, like maybe if I use today as an example, like I've been up since five forty-five. took all my classes I've had a bowl of oats but that is it and I mightn't get eaten again until like 2 o'clock but I'm training at 5 so I might actually have another coffee at some stage today
1: Mm.
0: and that'll be maybe number 3 or 4 depending so come that last one knowing that it'll be my last of the day and I don't want to spend the afternoon wasted because I'm shaky and feeling shit yeah but I still need a little coffee for my training or whatever later mm. then I might take it I've taken it once or twice before like towards the later part of the evening yeah just before bed mm. but I, I kind of sleep really well anyway I, I, yeah. I have my meditation
1: practice and that that helps so I
0: didn't Yeah. yeah I didn't notice yeah. a big benefit so I just left it okay
1: yeah yeah it tends to improve the the depth and maybe quality of someone's sleep yeah so it has like a calming effect so yeah it's, it's grand to have an evening time help you unwind a little bit like you're not going to get from nutritional supplements you're not going to get anything that's going to put you out yeah Like, and that's what people sometimes ask for think that they're looking for yeah yeah they're like you know what can I take that you know I come home from a rave and I need to fall asleep in like six minutes flat like what can you give me it's like there's nothing I can fucking give you don't go to the rave yeah it's like we say this you know you have to treat sleep like a dimmer switch not just an on and off. Nice. Right. So you need to wind it down and look, the l can help a little bit with that and then it can, it can definitely help with sleep quality once you get to sleep. Um, but yeah, there's nothing that's going to be like, you know, you're, you're talking about sleeping pills and then they just make you unconscious rather than I helping you sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So there's, there's issues with that as well. Cool.
0: Let's just, cause we're on the topic of it, just some supplements. <clears throat> Everyone loves the idea of supplements. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crossfitters are as bad as anyone for that. Um, there aren't
1: many that actually work. What does? In what context? Let's say crossfit performance. Okay, and hand- Performance and supplements, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, creatine monohydrate, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody should be taking that, um, provided your kidneys are healthy and they work well. All right, that's the only sort of contraindication. Uh, some people talk about creatine. Like men talk about creatine and hair loss. Um. The truth on that is that there's like one study that showed a correlation with creatine and and hair loss and the mechanisms don't really stand Uh, up to reason. So it's not something that I would personally be concerned about. I'm also not concerned about losing my hair, so it might be easy for me to say, (laughs) but you know, compared to someone whose hair is thinning, it's like, it's a bigger consideration for them. Uh, There is a study underway at the moment that's actually looking at this directly. It's just been super delayed because of uh, covid and stuff so i mean they were supposed to start it at the start of this year and i don't think it's it's properly underway yet unfortunately so we're all keeping an eye on that but um yeah essentially that they are the two things that come up with creatine so very very safe um unless you have some sort of kidney disease or dysfunction but yeah five grams of that a day uh, every day whether you're training or not and um, has a lot of benefits to the brain as well um so they're they're using high dose creatine in uh, as a treatment in depression as well all right so uh potential effects on mood you see you see creatine especially in people who don't eat any meat improving cognition wow right because you will get creatine, some creatine naturally in a in a, in meat right yeah. meat and fish right um not enough really to have a performance enhancing effect but they do see that when they give these people who have low creatine diets naturally, when they give them supplemental creatine, um, their cognitive function improves. Yeah. Right, so there's lots of cool stuff going on with creatine in the brain, uh, as well as performance, right? So And it's so cheap as well. So, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer for everyone to take it, yeah. like, no matter what you want necessarily, it, it seems to be pretty good for you, Um, outside of those caveats that I mentioned already. Um, so that's one, creatine, and then in this performance context, creatine will increase uh, kind of muscle strength and power, um, you know, which, which maybe translates to getting an extra rep here and there and, and kind of more strength-based work, yeah. um, improving the kind of sprinting capacity, things like that. Not so much in, like, endurance, um, but, you uh, know, it's, it's really, really good. And like I said, it's, it's, it's cheap. Super it's, cheap, yeah. It's very well-researched. It has been for a very long time. I think it's probably, it's probably the most researched sports supplement. Yeah. Um. I don't know if it's first, or if whey protein is first, but one of those. Um, so definitely that. It doesn't matter when you take it. That's a question that always gets asked. Just yeah. take it every day, um, because you need to have like complete muscle, muscle saturation um, to get the full benefits. You don't need to load it necessarily. So you can, you know, you could take like 20 grams a day for five days to, quickly get your muscle levels up or you can just take five grams a day after about two weeks it'll be there you're going to get to that point anyway uh people should be aware that it does cause a bit of water retention in the muscles right so it's partly how it helps increase strength because your muscles are mostly water right more water and protein so more more water in there they tend to be stronger um so it's not that it's going to make you look Bloated or soft or anything like that, if anything, like you look more jacked. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> just so people are aware, it can cause some weight gain. So, if people are watching their weight on the scales or their weight class athlete, potentially is, is relevant. Um, so, it, it could cause like a weight increase after like two or four weeks yeah. thereabouts of use once you hit that saturation level. So, that's creatine, first of all. And it's not much else, uh, as you said, <laughs> James. Uh, caffeine is one for sure, which I've yeah. covered. Um citrulline malate is quite good so this acts as a vasodilator which means it, it helps improve blood flow in the body and um, more blood flow delivered to working muscles helps improve endurance and performance output so this is when you use acutely so you take this about 45 minutes before um, a training session and it'll give you it'll also give you a nice pump if you're doing um any type of like hypertrophy training, or you know, anything, any, anything where you're gonna get a pump yeah. anyway, it'll, it'll enhance that effect because you get that improved blood flow. Um, so about you know five to eight grams of that, 45 minutes before a training session is a good idea. It's also used in the context of uh, sort of cardiovascular health because if you open up your blood vessels, you know, your blood pumps around easier, it's better for your heart less likely to have, like, clots and things. So sometimes used in that context as well. Okay. If anyone who has, like, a, a risk of cardiovascular events, um, you can take, like, three grams three times a day, something like that. So wow. that's kind of how it can be used. Uh, it can be used in the same context for erectile dysfunction as well because of that enhancement to blood flow, right? Wow. So, you know, it's not going to be as potent as something like Viagra, but it works in a similar, similar way. Fashion. Right. Um so there yeah that's good for performance and then I mean probably the last one is going to be uh beta alanine so again that can help reduce time to def- time to fatigue um improve muscular endurance in say like a lot of the research is done in sprinters so improving yeah. sprint performance so it's not necessarily like long distance um but yeah that can that can be a good one to have in there that's the same sort of principles as creatine where you to take it every day and uh, it doesn't matter when you take it it's put into a lot of pre-workout formulas because yeah. the side of one of the side effects of it is this tingling right the, so It feels like the pre-workout's working yeah so it's very much a placebo <laughs> effect but it actually makes no sense unless you're taking a pre-workout every day which hopefully you're not Wouldn't recommend. yeah <laughs> so you, you get this paresthesia or just tingling sensation it kind of feels like pins and needles in um it's usually like your face and your and. hands and stuff that's some people don't like it at all you know I well the other thing is you habituate to it so if you take Badaline for like a week you know it'll you subside get... um, but some ways to mitigate against that would be uh, splitting the dose up so uh, kind of standard dose about 6 grams a day yeah. um, so you could do two doses of 3 grams at separate occasions so smaller dose less of a tingling effect um, taking it with a meal so it's not in a, in a fasted state will also greatly diminish that kind of uh, feeling yeah. but yeah it's a good one to have and like again like creatine take it every day it doesn't matter when you take it despite it being thrown into pre-workout, yeah, pre-workout. It's like that. Um, but they're they're the main ones to be honest um, what about stuff like whey protein then yeah I don't really I don't really count whey as a supplement necessarily it's, it's more of like a food yeah. convenient food so like yes absolutely sufficient protein intake is super important for performance and yes. muscle recovery um, you're not going to gain from the adaptations that you're creating in training unless you have enough protein on board yeah. um, to basically, you know, for to help your muscles recover because you need the amino acids to build your muscles back up so they become stronger and perform better next time. Um, so yeah, you mean if you want to use whey protein, I just treat it as a food, as a yeah, as an easy to access food to get more protein in, but very important. And then you could say you know any Carbohydrate supplements, you could, you, I would lump in the same category. Yeah. So they're potentially going to help, but um, it's it's more that would be more relevant for training sessions going on beyond an hour. Um, that's the general rule. That if you're, you can start taking non intra workout sugars essentially. Um, once you get you know reasonably beyond the hour mark. Okay. So the rule, well, it's depending on the, the, this is quite a wide range, I'm going to give you, like yeah. between 30 and 90 grams of sugars per hour after the first hour. Right. Now, how much of that you use very much depends on the sport that you're doing. Yeah. You know, if you're doing like an Ironman or something, you'll go to the higher end of that. Um, if it's just like a long resistance training session, the lower end, um, also depending on your goals. You know, again, if fat loss is a priority, do you want to take 90 grams of sugar intra-workout and, and blow those calories? Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. Um. So again, that it just matters to yeah what the goal is, and keep that in mind. Uh, but if your training session is like an hour or not much over, then you don't need. Any, you need don't need any. No.
0: You don't need to look as it if you're just in a sixty-minute class. Then no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it'll probably help, but like yeah, unless it's, 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 your performance is super high end, it's yeah. It, like
1: your if your carbohydrate intake is reasonably good throughout the week, should be fine. You shouldn't need. Yeah, and the extra carbs. Like, I mean, it'll, it'll probably have an enhancement effect. But so if you can afford to, you know, maybe, maybe your guy has a, a huge calorie requirement, then yeah, absolutely. Some yeah. liquid carbs there would probably be yeah. helpful for you. Because you don't want to... Yeah, if someone like, say, Jack, who you met there, if he's trying to
0: eat a mountain of calories a day, that liquid is just super easy calories,
1: super yeah. easy carbs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it'll probably have a little bit of the yeah. ergogenic effect as well. Like, there is a lot of research in um, carbohydrate mouth rinsing. Yeah. So you don't even have to swallow it. Um, Spit, don't swallow it. <laughs> <laughs> you see a uh, performance uh, enhancing effect there. Yeah. And there are carbohydrate um, receptors in the mouth. So that's probably why that happens, plus maybe some placebo. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. I mean, so there are like directly those are the only things that are going to help performance. Now, obviously, indirectly, it's like okay, well, if you improve your sleep, then your performance improves. And all oh, the other, you know, stuff. and like, yeah. if you're iron deficient and you take an iron supplement to rectify that, obviously that's got. But be if good. you had all other bases covered, yeah, those, those are the things that are... Directly saying, hey, you know, everything else is... Well, I mean, everything else doesn't have to be in good shape before you can supplement with those things. Yeah. Which obviously, you should aim for that, but, um, you know, I wouldn't say to somebody like, no, you need to make sure your diet is perfect before you can take creatine that doesn't make any sense you're still going to get a benefit Um, but yeah those are the I think four uh, four supplements that are actually going to deliver a direct performance enhancement effect cool Um,
0: something else I wanted to get your thoughts on was like around alcohol and treat intake like so say say there was a client and they Monday to say Friday they hit their three or four meals a day they're getting all the veggies in they don't worry about timing or anything like that with their food they're just pretty consistent with it but it comes to the weekend and they love a few glasses of wine or having a few scoops of ben and jerry's or whatever that thing is how easy is it to fit that into someone's lifestyle
1: if they have
0: say high performance goals
1: yeah, I think if they have high performance goals, I think that it's pretty easy to fit in. Yeah. Now, obviously, like, the one, the way you've described it there is quite reasonable. Yeah. Like, it's, like, a few glasses of wine, maybe some ice cream. You know, that can look very different depending on the person and how they approach their Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? <laughs> um, so, obviously, the, the sheer quantity of that stuff matters. Yeah. But it should be relatively easy to fit in. Like, you know, a few glasses of wine is not going to be a massive detriment to your performance, right? So, you know, if you're having a few glasses of wine every night of the week, uh, that's going to fuck your sleep up significantly, right? So alcohol prevents you getting into deep phases of sleep. Yeah. Um, So you don't actually recover as well, which is one of the reasons why after, like, a few drinks, um, you could sleep for eight hours and feel like, shit, it's not the same as uh, eight hours on a, a non-drinking night. So... There's that to consider. Um, now, if that's only one night a week, two nights a week, obviously you try to schedule your training around that so it's going to have the least impact. So, like, if you're going to have a few glasses of wine on Saturday night and you don't have to train Sunday, I mean, potentially you want to train Sunday and you'd enjoy it and there might be a Sunday class or something you want to go to, then that's helping to enhance your life. But, you know, just accept that it may not be as like good if you haven't rested as much yeah then again it's it's the weekend maybe you can just sleep more and you know it'll balance out yeah. um and then you know the the true foods like it really comes down to a, a calorie balance or yeah. you know the, how much energy you're consuming you know, if you have high performance goals then you know probably the the ice cream and stuff will help if anything right yeah um especially if you're trying to hit a reasonably high calorie intake um so it all just like it depends on what you do most of the time with your nutrition you know you don't have to be tracking your food like we talk we're talking about calories a lot it's useful to have an eye on those things um but you know you can just essentially look at us like okay if if i have you know 20 odd meals a week and two of them you know potentially contain some ice cream or whatever it's is that going to be a big deal probably not um I, mean, I suppose your approach to those foods matters. Like, are you saving yourself all week, you know, and feeling somewhat restricted all week before you can go and kind of let loose? Like, so that's probably not the healthiest way to approach it. <laughs> um, especially if that means that you know you sink two tubs of, of ice cream, then because, like, yes, it's, and it's that's might... your only carb intake for the week, <laughs> yeah. That's my it's like, that's your day off, yeah. Um, that's probably not the best way to approach it, so. I mean, I, I uh, you know yourself that I encourage a lot of this, like mindful eating and, yeah. and actually being present with the food so that you actually enjoy it and aren't just putting it in your mouth and not really paying mm-hmm. attention mm-hmm. to what's going on. And um, so that will generally help people eat less of those foods, but yeah. derive even more satisfaction from them. Um, but overall, sorry to answer your questions, like, yes, that stuff is pretty easy to fit in. Yeah. You just have to be able to take stock of like, what does my whole week mm-hmm. of eating look like? And... You know, and then how much treats am I talking about? Yeah. So, like, some people want to have, like, a bit of chocolate every day. And that's fine. Like, that'll fit in. And um, you have to obviously have some way of monitoring your goals. So, yeah. it's like, are you performing better? Then, and yeah, and keep doing what you're doing. Like, you know, if, it, if things are suffering, you probably need more, more calories yeah. rather than less. Um, unless you're trying to improve performance by getting lighter or something. So, getting leaner, then, you know, it's, you have to be more considered about... Where you, you know so-called spend your calories, like for me right now in this Thailand of this diet, I'm not consuming that much treats yeah. or alcohol, just because it's not worth it. It's not worth it to me to feel hungrier. Um, whereas you just have more potatoes and more fruit and veg and yeah. more meat, like and that will make me a lot happier. And <laughs> I don't really care about you know I'm still having like chocolate like almost every day, but quantities are way less yeah, you know yeah. there hasn't been much alcohol consumed at all so being hungry sucks yeah yeah, and it's one of the main things that's going to yeah. get people off track Yeah, um, from trying to adhere to something like that like a fat yeah. loss phase so you need to give yourself a dig out and say like it's not that oh, I have to eat my vegetables it's like alright I get to eat my vegetables so I actually feel full yeah. um, and I can keep managing my goals here yeah, that's the way I want people to look at it because like, it's not, it's not like a chore. It's like that's yeah. actually helping you do the thing that you say you want to achieve. <laughs> yeah.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. Let's um quickly talk about vegetables then as well. We're both big fans of vegetables. Yes, um, one, maybe potential benefits around... I'm going to use Jack again as an example. He's going to kill me for this. <laughs> but Jack doesn't eat vegetables. Oh, no. I know, yeah. But I kind of feel like he's leaving stuff on the table because of it.
1: Am I right? Yeah, like there's there's a lot of there's a huge amount of benefits to vegetables. Like first, like first of all, the people who eat more fruits and vegetables, and plants tend to live longer, right? Which is a, a lofty goal, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that's pretty clear, and it's like it's it's probably the biggest trope in nutrition, right? That fruit and veg is good. Yeah. Um, despite what the, the carnivore advocates will try and have you believe, it's, yeah, you know, it's kind of depressing in a way that like even there there's even people taking up arms against vegetables like in, the, in the just it shows the state of the nutrition industry like yeah. um but the benefits you know it's they do have a lot of nutrients in them okay so the, the best sources of nutrients in my opinion are plant foods and high quality animal proteins right because you're going to get a lot of certain vitamins and minerals in, say, animal protein that you don't get in vegetables, and vice versa. Yeah. So that's why you should have both. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, phytochemicals, which just plant chemicals that are found, say, exclusively in these plant foods that also contribute to health. So they're not, they're not classed as vitamins or minerals, but they do have these uh, prominent health effects. Yeah. Again, for you know, living longer, having less disease. So living longer and having a healthier life and a better quality of life, again. Yeah. Who doesn't want that um and then like i said they do have a lot of uh, say vitamins and minerals and just a lot of beneficial compounds that are good for you and your body and your health and the healthier you are chances are the better you're going to perform right there you go there we go all right um and then you know additionally to that they help fill up your plate so again if you're trying to diet and lose body fat. Again, like we said, you need to be full. Yeah. Um, so the more vegetables you eat, they're, you know, they're very low in calories, like per hundred grams. Like I like to talk about this calorie density and food volume a lot, right? Um, so, you know, simply when you're in a fat loss phase and trying to stay full, you want to eat foods that are high volume, i.e. they take up a lot of space on your plate and also take up a lot of space in your stomach. Um, it means it takes you longer to eat that meal as well so therefore it becomes more satisfying um, versus foods that are extremely calorie dense and say low volume which are a lot of calories in like a tiny amount of food yeah. so the, the example I often give in this is uh, if you compare like strawberries and chocolate <laughs> all right so chocolate per 100 grams uh, is about 500 or so calories all right strawberries per 100 grams about 35 calories okay so it means that you can eat like 14 times the amount of strawberries as you can chocolate if my math is right yeah um 14 times the amount of strawberries as you can chocolate so like you know what's gonna be more better for you on a a fat loss diet you know eat it like fucking kilo of strawberries or eat like the equivalent amount of calories from chocolate um you probably wouldn't have a fun time digesting a kilo of strawberries. Yeah. But you know that that emphasises yeah, my point. Yeah, paints a decent picture, doesn't it? Yeah, and then you know vegetables are the same idea. Like, and they're even less calorie dense. You know, I've been eating a lot of runner beans lately because we're growing them at home, and they're like, I think they're like fifteen calories per per hundred grams wow. or something. So you can eat a lot of these foods for fuck all calories, which just means you're gonna have a better time with adhering to your diet. And you know, if you're struggling to stay full, they also contribute a lot of fiber, which is uh, extremely beneficial for health. So fiber feeds your gut bacteria, which then confer a lot of benefits to us. We're essentially just big hosts walking around. (laughs) There's so many more bacterial cells in our body than there are human cells. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a hundred trillion bacterial cells or something. So we are basically just a big host, right? Um, And the bacteria, interestingly as well, people might like this, you know, what you eat dictates the kind of bacteria profile that you have. So you can have healthier bacterial profiles and you have less healthy bacterial profiles. If the less healthy ones take up residence and start to prosper and populate you know there's potential negatives to your health to that but also they will insist they get more food more of the food that they like so hypothetically you could by eating a poor quality diet you will have more cravings for a poor quality diet all right whereas if you eat the foods that Help uh, proliferate the healthier bacteria, they want those foods, right. so then you want to keep eating those foods, so then you start to get cravings for those kind of things, all right. So, that's an uh, potentially interesting take on, on cravings. Mm-hmm. That you know, the more kind of, and then sorry, and then the main thing that feeds these healthy, good bacteria are plant fibers, right? right? Um, so you know, there's a lot of nonsense talked about good health in the industry, right? But the best thing really you can do for good health is eat a lot of plants. Right. eat a wide variety of plants yeah now take care of the quantity first before you worry too much about um how many different types you're getting there's a study that came out i think know it was the last year or the year before it's hard to know with with covid <laughs> timelines what year is it um but it, it, it the conclusion that came through the the piece of advice that came out it was like okay should I eat 30 different plant foods a week All Right, and that that includes like you know pulses and grains and herbs and spices so it's not like you have to get 30 different fruit and vegetables vegetables, which would be difficult um but that's something people can aim for if they feel like they have a reasonable grasp on their fruit and veg intake and so yeah the fiber is super important Uh, i think last i checked the average fiber intake in ireland was about 12 grams a day and and we need to be getting like 30 35 grams a day or about 15 grams per thousand calories so for people who are maybe on low calorie diets they can get like have less or it's just harder to fit more in you've of course less calories to play with um but fiber is super beneficial for health you know again less risk of disease um especially uh you know digestive tract cancers and things like that um you get better bowel movements as well generally um so it has a lot of benefits and again that's mostly going to come from Plant foods, you know, beans, chickpeas, lentils, those pulses are very, very good sources of fiber, whole grains um, as well, but also fruit and veg. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: That's the case for fruits and vegetables. Something that's quite prevalent in CrossFit is like a disassociation between performance and health. Mm. So like as people try and climb the ladder, especially kind of earlier on, like once they're fairly competent, they kind of start to ignore their health and focus more on performance. Mm. Little things like niggles and injuries and stuff happen, but they tend to forget about vegetables and that as well. Do you see, with any of the people that you've worked with or work with at the minute, like that happening and any negative consequences of? Like if you tell Jack, Jack's 22, right? Yeah. He wants to go to the CrossFit Games. And he's a mega athlete. Yeah. But if you tell him eat your vegetables because it'll help you live to 80 he'll be like yeah i don't give a fuck mm. he wants to be as good as he can be now
1: yeah well i mean so how do we swim basically or does he not like be- the, i said one thing you could look at is like doing a nutrient assessment on his diet you know so you can use something like chronometer the mm. app um which is just—it's similar to my Fitness Pal, but it has a much better database for vitamins and minerals, yeah. right? If you—if you enter quite generic foods, um, like if anyone goes to use this or you know whoever's listening, uh, you need to select the closest food items that are, have like fifty or sixty nutrients listed. This will make sense if you actually go look at the app. What I'm yeah. talking about, um, because if you go and then select like specific brands, you know, so the the Mosher Roth dark chocolate and Aldi, for example, If you go and find that it'll only have like eight nutrients listed, which is no good. It's just, that's just as good as my fitness pal. Whereas if if you just find like a generic dark chocolate, yeah, like 70% dark chocolate, then that should have the rest. So that's just an important consideration. Try to be generic instead of branded uh, or just find the food, the options that have like 50 or 60 or more even. Um, Well, you know, if you go and do that with Jack, uh, and if he's shown that, you know, he has all these nutrient insufficiencies, potentially because he's not eating enough plant foods, then, then that might sweat him. Like yeah. Because, you know, if you have low levels of these nutrients, you're not going to perform as well. You know, because That's you just don't have the... Yeah. You don't have... like, the, like I'm not going to go into what vitamin and minerals do because they all do so many different yeah. things, each one of them. Um. But, like, simple ones like calcium, like muscle contractions, you know, yeah, I think con- muscle contractions are important for fucking lifting weights, <laughs> right? Um, obviously, I mentioned iron earlier, and like you know, chances are he's eating a lot of meat, a lot of protein, so he's probably eating enough iron. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, but you know, if you like iron deficiency anemia, you're just going to be fatigued all the time, and how is yeah. that going to be good for your performance? Yeah. If you're eating not enough plant foods and fiber and things, you know, potentially you have uh, higher levels of inflammation, not going to be good for muscle recovery right yeah you yeah, have that acute inflammatory response after training what you want but other than that you want to keep inflammation levels be, yeah. down you know you start to get fucking joint pain and shit you know maybe if you manage your inflammation better then you don't have as much of that maybe you can yeah. train better Um. again your muscles recover better you get better adaptations to the training that you're doing um, and plants directly help that yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. because like I said they, they provide the fiber yeah. uh, which supports good health the uh, Bacteria create short chain fatty acids, these are anti inflammatory. Um, and they provide, like I said, a different profile of vitamins and minerals and plant nutrients that you're not going to get elsewhere. Yeah. Now you can supplement the vitamins and minerals, sure, but you're still are not going to get those phytochemicals which again have all these all these different yeah, benefits all the new stuff. Like certain uh phytochemicals in say dark chocolate and you know beetroot spinach, uh, pomegranate. They increase nitric oxide levels. This improves blood flow. That improves performance. That works the same way as the citrulline malate I mentioned earlier. Yeah, those four literally go well together as well. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so that will directly yeah. improve performance levels, right? Um, so I don't know what his diet looks like. It's pretty just shit. Just,
0: <laughs> you just eats smoothies or cementies, just like oats and berries and shit. Like well, at and least there's berries in yeah there. he gets some fruit in and then he has like one or two Well, you could put spinach onions. in that and you wouldn't taste it yeah uh, I know and it would just take him up a little level wouldn't it yeah I'm gonna make him listen to this podcast yeah Brian thank you so much You're very welcome it's always a pleasure yeah if people are interested in finding out more about what you do yeah where are you
1: um, find me Instagram is a good place to connect with me so at Brian O'Hangisa if you, if you get B-R-I-A-N yeah oh h yeah, i'll probably come. pop up at that point
0: you can go on my instagram or in the show notes for this as well team
1: yeah and then uh the company website triage uh, you find out loads about what we do there and the nutrition department in there that yeah. uh, that i run so yeah those are the best thank places you. to to check out and you know if, if you listen to this and like it feel free to send me a message appreciate or whatever you. always appreciate it thank you very much man thanks sir
0: team thanks for tuning in to the Beercast. that is episode number five in the books if you do have any suggestions on who you'd like on the show next what you'd like to hear about or any general comments or feedback please reach out and let me know catch you next time